This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in, that's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to... The August 4th edition of One Nation Radio. I am your host, Rich Ladd, of course, here with my co-host, James Boyd. James, what's going on, man? Not too much. I think that uh, this is going to be a pretty good episode now that we have a, a dissenting opinion or opinion person or whatever you want to call it. It's like somebody to bounce this off of that is kind of on the other side of the ledger, if you will. So <laughs> let's see how this goes. Look, look they say that, that, that sometimes we're always inside of our own echo chamber and, you know, we're, we go unchallenged. But that is not the case today. So we're joined by the eternal optimist of LordsOfPain.net. A man who will sell you on SummerSlam, even if you don't want to be sold. Mr. David Finishel. Dave, what's going on, man? Haven't had you on in a long time. How are you doing? It's been way too long. So, uh, before uh, all, all our fans get, get in uproar, um, you know, we, we, we like to give, like, fair time. You know, I, James, I'm treating this man like the P- PFT commenter for, on, on Bomani Jones. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh my god so yeah man uh you know y'all y'all pretty much know what it is like you know we ain't really been watching wwe too closely here on on this show so we wanted to bring in somebody that could get you guys excited about SummerSlam coming in and it's next week of all weeks they you know let's start with that first like SummerSlam, they moved it up this year yeah i don't know how i feel about that it feels like it's sneaking up on you and it certainly feels like they could have used a couple extra weeks, uh, especially considering they had the Raw reunion, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. I mean, they uh, it feels like they're throwing a lot together right at the last minute. And, and while there's a lot that I like on there, um, I definitely think they could have used that extra time to build. So it was a curious choice to do it that way. You know, I wonder if it has something to do with the change of venue. You know, it's in Toronto now. Maybe there's some type of conflict in that city later on in the summer where it was necessary to move it up a couple of weeks. But I'm not sure that it was to their benefit to do so. Yeah, I, I never understood when I realized it maybe a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, my God, they're actually doing it on the 10th when normally we're always around like the 17th or, you know, maybe even later than that or the week after that, like 24th. So it was it was it was odd after seeing, you know, Brooklyn all those years in a row. And then before that, even L.A. when it was like consistently middle August and now it's just like early August. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. But at the same time, it's like you kind of want some room to breathe. If you're somebody that's not watching uh, just WWE, it was like, cause you know, this is the same weekend of the block finals for the G1, everything. 
Like I don't. And NXT I, takeover. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's going to be stuff. nuts uh, between Saturday and Sunday. So yeah. Um. It, but for WWE, this is their. Uh, I mean, it could be like the '90s. Like August, SummerSlam '97 was August third. So, <laughs> so it's not the worst thing they've ever done. But um, we got nine confirmed matches. I'm going just off the Wikipedia fa- page, and of course we've got um, news of the. Um, perspective matches that are supposed to be added to this thing on short notice okay so sorry about doing this production meeting thing before or do you want to talk about how do you want to handle that like we talked about that a bit but like do you want to put do the perspective stuff because it's more interesting or do you want to put that after what's already established on the card Let's do it all, right? Yeah, guys? Yeah, just, yeah, I guess we can start with those two since since we were gonna like pretty much just just drop the, the news on everybody. So okay. there is um a Dolph Ziggler versus the Miz match announced <laughs> that is not happening. So <laughs> uh, the match that is instead uh you know reportedly gonna happen is Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. Me being a huge Goldberg fan. I am very happy about this. I will wallow in the misery of Dolph Ziggler. Uh, any chance I get, I and I, I hear that Ziggler's been making offhand comments about all these legends. What's what's really going on with him uh, right now, Dave? I know this guy's one of your favorites. So so you know it's interesting because it it, it feels like it came out of nowhere because it actually really did come out of nowhere. You know they've they've done a great angle on TV that saw Ziggler drop HBK with Sweet Chin music, and that led everybody to thinking that. Um, the match was really going to be HBK versus Ziggler, which really doesn't make a ton of sense. You know, HBK did the one match in Saudi Arabia. He said it was more of an exhibition than anything else, and that, you know, that was the reason he did it. He doesn't plan on ever really wrestling another real match again. So wrestling at SummerSlam wasn't really going to make a lot of sense for him. Um, And so, you know, kind of out of nowhere, on on a week's turn, you know, Ziggler basically pivoted and dropped a Goldberg reference on us, you know? And clearly, you know, it, it felt like it didn't belong because it didn't belong. So there's not really a lot of, um, you know, a lot of logic behind it. Mm-hmm. But with, with that being said, I'm totally cool with it. You know, I'm I'm like you. I like Goldberg. You know, there, he can't wrestle. His talking is questionable, <laughs> but he's always had this it factor that Bro. made me very interested. In everything that he does, I will watch Goldberg kill dudes all day. I just don't need him to be the champion. Like that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. pretty much where no. I'm at with it. So you know, James and I have talked about this off top, off air a little bit, you know, and uh, I'm pretty good with him nuking, you know, Ziggler in in 30 seconds or whatever. It is. <laughs> Bring it um, on. <laughs> This card is going to be a marathon, and you know we could use like a, a squash match to to kind of you know give us some breathing room. And yeah. I think that this is going to be it. So I'm good with that. I mean, Dolph Ziggler at this point, you know, he's enhancement talent. I mean, that's what he is. You know, you put him in a feud when you want somebody to look good. You know, he can wrestle a great match. You know, his talking is very underrated. Like they're never going to push him to the world title, right? But he's a perfect guy to help Kofi Kingston get his championship reign solidified. Um, he's a perfect guy where if you do want to just feed Goldberg somebody to smash, like somebody who's not going to get hurt by it too badly, like it's a good spot. I really don't have any issue with what they're doing. James? It's funny that you mentioned the Ziggler's and Hospitality thing because when me and Rich first got back into watching wrestling full-time in 2011, like no, we figured that the sliding and the long star, long form storytelling and building of stars was was comparable to back then, and obviously isn't. But we thought that you looked at the undercard. You thought that like we thought that Cody Rhodes and Dolph Ziggler were both going to become like were eventually going to become like title 
top guys eventually in years to come in the future. And it turns out that like we were halfway right. Cody just had to leave and go to another and start another promotion to do so. <laughs> but uh yeah, as far as as far as the Goldberg thing is like, I mean, look, there are very few things that are more entertaining than a, than than Goldberg squashing people. And and we like you just talked about our off air conversation. The thing I was saying was you remember last year when um Finn Balor dressed up in the paint and he squashed Corbin. And that was just like a breath of fresh air for the card. And, you know, like one of the ways when you have a glut of stuff on the roster is you can do a squash for a match that's not like something that people were actually absolutely dying to see. Like, you know, they did the, the thing with Ray and Joe at WrestleMania to protect Ray because Ray was injured. But, like, that's another thing that, like, it fell into their hands and they went with it. And that actually helped the, the rock. It actually helped the card, even though. The card was already way too overstocked, and that didn't even save the card. But still, like, it, imagine if they actually had went seven minutes. So, like, it definitely w- will help the, if they just get a squash match. It'd be a one of these palate cleanser. It can work as a palate cleanser as opposed to, oh, we throw out some match that no one gives a flying shit about, and we don't even get a pop out of it. It's just, you know, they just put this on the card so that it can, you know, be some filler between the actual thing we want you to actually love that is overproduced and overbooked. So, yeah. I think I would love it even more if, if uh, Goldberg didn't do a clean job in Saudi Arabia, but uh, the WCW will always lose to uh, Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Federation. So, yeah. um, Was there anything about The Undertaker versus Goldberg that we can even call clean? No, aside from the finish, like <laughs> I mean, I mean that. I mean, if you want to talk about that brain, bu- that brain buster. I mean, if you want to talk about that, I mean, sure, that was pretty clean. Dropped him clean oh. on his head, like <laughs> yeah. All right, and of course the other match, like that's that's the making King the rounds. Style. Yeah, yeah, the King's <laughs> Rose style bitch you do. <laughs> so the other match, um, uh, kicked off by like an angle straight out of the white Hummer family. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, for me, this is the biggest match WWE has like available. And to do it on this short of a build, nowhere near the main event or whatever. It's Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns. I, I'm in disbelief. Like this, this is how, how it's going to go down. Uh, I think, that you all the story was always there for me for me to be like hey i've always you're like i've you've always been the guy that's made it difficult for people to accept me because for whatever reason and then Dan brian be like yo that's not my fault like you know it's on and then off to the races from there you can take it wherever you want to go i thought this should be the main event of wrestlemania 35 unfortunately you know there were different circumstances that went on um you know if you ask me the day after wrestlemania 34 i was looking at Daniel Bryan versus Roman reigns um but here we are heading into SummerSlam. dave i know you're a big roman reigns guy what do you think of the dynamic with him and down brian of course brian's now a heel they're in toronto are are they setting themselves up for everything to to, to you know? Are they walking into a trap here? No, I, I well, so I don't think they're walking into a trap. But with that being said, I definitely wouldn't be doing Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. We, you're throwing it together on a week. I, I agree with you. I think it's if not the biggest match that they can do, it's it's right there. And you know, I like the idea of doing heel Daniel Bryan versus face Roman Reigns because I think that Bryan as a heel has a knack of getting everybody else that he works with over. And uh, Roman could use that right now because, you know, like like it or hate it, the fact that he's had cancer has actually hurt his character a little bit. Because what would happen before is you'd have people who 
really just wanted to boo the crap out of Roman Reigns, you know, and so you had like some people who were cheering him, you know, largely some of the casuals, but you had most people who were just booing him and but but people were having a reaction. Now I almost feel like people watch their matches and like, well, we don't want to cheer for him, but we can't boo him because that makes us the worst human on earth. And so there's just not a whole lot not a whole lot going on there, you know, and it pains me because I've always really liked Roman Reigns and I've always really felt that he was treated poorly in situations that were not his fault, you know, and, and that he did everything that he really needed to do um, to, to be treated better and, and never really got there. But, um, you know, so I think that Brian, working with Brian could, could help rehabilitate his character as a face because Brian's done such a good job as heel, you know, with, with everybody else that he's worked with. Um, that being said, it doesn't make any sense, you know. I, I'll believe that they're going to run with this match when I see it. Um, because it just, it does. It just feels very thrown together. And that feels like a feud and a storyline that needs to be much more thought out and much more prolonged and be given a much more prominent spot. Like, like the promo for this could be amazing. Like, if they just lean into, like, the real-life, like, yeah. dynamics around those two people, their fan bases, and everybody really knowing what the the feud has been in WWE. It hasn't been Roman Reigns versus Triple H. It hasn't been Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. It's been Roman Reigns in the shadow of Daniel Bryan, who the people chose, who never got to get his run. That's been the thing that's hovered over Roman Reigns' entire career, I feel like. And, you know, so so here's the thing. So what I would like to see them do is not do that match at WrestleMania. I think that if they were very smart, what they can do is they can have Roman Reigns come out this week on, on TV and talk about how he's going to be out in the ring at SummerSlam and he wants to be face-to-face with whoever whoever attacked him, you know? And if you want to use Daniel Bryan, if you want to completely make somebody new, it's a perfect spot to do it. That can be a major angle that takes place at, at SummerSlam that kicks off the feud that that carries, you know, one or both of the brands for a long time. I just don't want to see them throw this match together as a one-off right. and, then, and then that be the end of it. It would be a tremendous disservice. That being said... Even if they do just throw this match together and it isn't something that I necessarily want to see at SummerSlam, I have no doubt that it's going to be fantastic. James, what what, what do you make of this thing with, with the angle they did Tuesday with, with a, a stack of whatever falling on Roman Reigns and then the the prospects of this match? Okay, well, I okay, so I have not watched anything on SmackDown aside from that farce of a Kabuki Warriors versus the Iconics uh, women's tag team match two, three weeks ago, like since the end of May. So I can't speak on uh, exactly the whole segment because I didn't watch the whole segment. Um, I saw, you know, I heard people talk about it. I saw GIFs of it. I saw memes of it, of course. I saw him, you know, someone do the side-by-side of Drake doing the get that away from me and, yes. you know, him underneath all the stuff. So I really can't speak on it. I just thought it was something that wacky and was really weird when I heard, like, where it happened literally, like, after the main event match of the show and, like, the last... 90 seconds of, of a SmackDown last, or, you know, with, and then this was supposed to start a, a two week program to get to SummerSlam when these are two of your four or five biggest stars. It's like, what is going on? I don't know what's going on with this, with this company on the main roster. Uh, anyway, as far as the prospects, I don't know. I don't know if you put, I don't know what you do to possibly, I don't care about the dynamics. I don't care about uh, the timing of the year. I don't care what show it is. These guys uh, over the last four years have 
that these dynamics to where Roman is going to get booed no matter um, virtually what he, whatever he does inside the ring when those two get together and and Daniel Bryan is going to get cheered. Unless, uh, like, unless Daniel Bryan literally ha- goes out there and, and does the uh, uh, what was the segment that the Edge and, and Lita did together? Uh, the oh, Pop yeah, or or the uh, the live sex the live celebration. Sex celebration. Yeah, unless Daniel Bryan goes out there and has a live sex celebration where he cheats on Brie and also has an affair with Roman Reigns' wife, I don't see how he possibly get a uh, Roman cheered during this match. Well, so, he he could he, he, he could hump the Canadian flag like Shawn Michaels did at uh, the Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know they are in Canada. He could come out in, in red and white right. gear um, and, and have sex with the Canadian flag. That that that's a good point. So there's also there's also that. So uh, unless you're out here tarnishing, uh, you know, flags or you know committing a committing adultery, like I don't he see could, what you could do to possibly. Could, they they could wheel out Gretzky and he could drop him with a knee. I guess that. Gets oh my god. <laughs> no, nah, now nah, you got remember it's wrestling fans. So you got to do better. Like you got to bring out Brett. Yeah, right. yeah. And, 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 and he has to crack Brett. He has to shove Brett to the ground. Oh my god! <laughs> so I, I forgot who I was listening to, and I was just thinking about how Roman Reigns has been handled since he's been back. Poorly, has any? Oh, seriously, think about off the top of your head. Has since you in your lifetimes in the, in the wrestling that you guys have watched in WWF with your own two eyes? Has any guy that's been the top guy in the company ever been booked and also slotted this poorly ever? The Rock in 1999 in the summer was really bad when he had to fight Billy Gunn. Like, that was really bad. So so the one that comes to mind to me is the end of Steve Austin's run Mm. when when he basically walked out of the company because they wanted him to do a job to Brock Lesnar on, like, live TV. But he wasn't the top guy at that point in time. Rock was. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's an opinion, right? I mean, Austin was still the guy who got cheered the most. He was still, like... The guy who was the most popular. I mean, The Rock was fantastic, but like, I mean, Austin was clearly still the most popular guy. They just weren't booking him as such, okay. you know. Fair enough. Um, and and so, you know, I mean, but I mean, we can we can kind of draw a parallel at that point. Like Roman Reigns isn't treated as like the top guy anymore either, you know. Like, when was the last time he was in like the angle that was the singular focus of the show? Look, now I, it's, it's it's amazing that you guys headed this way because that's where I was going next. Do you guys, you know, we we got Hobbs and Shaw that just came out right now. Rock, uh, Roman's aligning himself publicly with The Rock, and Rock's like wrapping his arm around Roman right now. Is Vince McMahon yeah. phasing Roman Reigns out or, prepare, or or scared to death that Roman Reigns is going to leave him? I don't think he's scared to death. I think that they're starting to put the wheels in place to try to find their next guy because I, do, I, I, I don't think it's even the, a lack of faith in Roman, but, you know, I think they recognize that you know, with his cancer recurring, my my understanding of the type of cancer that he has is that it's not something that ever completely goes away. It's not the type of cancer that's necessarily a death sentence, but it's the kind of thing that, you know, could continue to pop its head up over and over again. Mm-hmm. And they, they might feel at this point, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense for him to be the focus of the company anymore. And that, you know, the, the you know, as long as he's around, they're going to try to book him well, but they're not going to, you know, they're not going to necessarily build a WrestleMania around him anymore. I, 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 there's a possible. I could see that as a as a thought process. My my more, I think, I think the more likely scenario. I mean, it could. I mean, it all could be a factor. But I think if you ask me what the biggest factor, and I, you know, I mostly think of these th- things in um, its most cynical terms. Is like, 
you know, like Vince always eventually finds a new toy or eventually gets bored with the toy regardless of whether it was even Hogan or it was Austin or or pretty much the only toy he never really got bored with is like Brock and Rock, right? So, I mean, in theory, could you be like, look, man, I've screwed this dude up so many fucking times. Like, even I know and I realize that, like, I can't, I can't overcome, you know, there's always a ceiling on what I, what I can do with him because I screwed it up over the last four years so fucking bad. So, I mean, maybe, maybe he's just like, look, I can keep him here and I can be in a fit and I can keep the crowd from, you know, wanting to turn on him eventually by, you know, forcing him into a match where he beats Kofi Kingston for the belt or have him go fight Brock again or some other nonsense and, 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 and beat him uh, and have him, you know, like cause this thing with Shane is ridiculous. Like the stuff that he was doing at WrestleMania where he's fighting uh, Drew and Drew is basically just, I'm going to cut a promo about how I'm tougher than cancer and, it's, it's, it's you know it's nonsense to me. So I I I just look at it as like he is hand, like Vince Myers like look I, I don't know what I can do. I, I'm pretty much I'm I've come up with all the all the good ideas in the world after I've screwed him up. I don't know what else I can do. And if and I mean, for another thing for me if I if you if you guys are Roman when you leave. Oh we we like I don't know if you heard the show uh, Dave but we've been putting the countdown clock on Roman Reigns uh, to go to Hollywood for months now. I mean, I think it depends. You know, I don't think he's got The Rock's natural charisma to be that big Hollywood superstar. You know, I think that he's more of a henchman type. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know that he ends up being that that big star. Um, I mean, you know, the other thing is he's probably the most, the highest paid guy in the WWE at this point, outside of Rock Lesnar, right? So I, I'd probably say him, Orton. There, there's a class of guys up there like that. <clears throat> yeah, but but that's what I mean is he's probably making huge money. To, to do what he does right now, you know, and like that's pretty hard to walk away from. Even if he, even if he's not the focus anymore, like it's pretty hard to walk away from that paycheck, you know. Um, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, all right, do I want to do? If you, okay, so we those are the same stuff you said about him, the same exact same stuff you could say about Batista. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. So it's like, okay, well, this dude doesn't his charisma doesn't really come off, and or humor comes off in the way that we think it does, and it's like, well. Probably because that's the way he's been booked and written to write. Like, <laughs> so you look at so, and then you throw in the fact of like the dude. It's a handsome dude. Like he's going, like he's going to be able to, you know, he's going to get roles. But he's a handsome buff dude, right? And he has a name to him. Like, I mean, we we had Kevin Nash on on Magic Mike one and two, right? Like he's going, he's going to get roles, and like when you get those roles, like maybe he's not making as much money as he did before, but he'll be home a lot more. And he won't be throw, having to throw his head at the ground. Like I remember, I remember, you know, I, I brought it up because it's always the interesting line from me as we talked about it was um, the CM Punk Coca Cabana podcast. We talked about how he had um, opportunity to do the signing session, and then he, the WWE came in and gave the signing sh- session away. And he was like, "I'm not doing another date for you guys until you make up for the money that I was going to get because I was going to get more money I was going to make for this house show, and I'd have to throw my head at the ground." Maybe Roman is tired of throwing his head at the ground. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's possible, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I hope the match happens. Uh, I, I hope they have a great match. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I would do it completely differently, but uh, something else yeah. I would do yeah. completely like, different. Oh. Yeah, like you just think about it. You just mentioned we talked about how Roman and 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 Daniel Bryan have this thing. How it's such a big. It could be such a big deal. Like, yeah, let's not like book a who done it thing like fourteen days out or thirteen <laughs> days out. This is weird, really, really weird. We need to get Tony Khan on the phone. Have him book this. He he figure it out. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so our WWE Universal Championship match. It has been a horrible summer for Seth Rollins uh, on a multitude of fronts. Uh, And it seems like it's going to culminate in a match with Brock Lesnar where he attempts to regain the championship. Stop me, but I feel like I've seen this before. I feel like I've seen the crazy Brock Lesnar beat down. I feel like I've seen Seth Rollins being uninspiring babyface going into a match where he's fighting Brock Lesnar. Finish up. What is the end game here? So a couple different things here, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very intrigued by this match for, for reasons that have nothing to do with the two people who are involved. Like, I try to give the WWE the benefit of the doubt. I don't understand why they're booking this match. It didn't make any sense to do things in the manner that they're doing it. That said, I feel like something is up. And I'm going to kind of loop in another match that I'm sure we're going to get to in a little while. I think it's very curious that they booked Becky Lynch versus Natalia in Natalia's hometown of uh, in, in her home country. You know, that almost leads me down the path of of thinking, hey, maybe they really want Becky to potentially get booed here. Not that I think it's a hundred percent that they want to get booed, but I think in the WWE's mind, they think maybe there's a way that they can get her booed here, have her do something dastardly that kind of you know it, it ends up questionable. Um, I think her character's taken a little bit of a hit by being with. Seth Rollins. I mean, he's 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 kind of it's it's been bad, bro. That but, man is like he's, he's radioactive right now. Like, <laughs> but I think something is up here, and it just I wouldn't be shocked if the show ends with Becky turning on Rollins and that being a supposed heel turn. You know, because she would get think, cheered so much. <laughs> she dropped Seth well, Rollins but, in the middle but, of the ring. Is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? Because here's the thing. I agree with you, Seth. They're going to have to rebuild that. And listen, I'm never going to say never because I thought he was dead in the water after Triple H turned on him and he was a heel who got turned on and then we were suddenly supposed to cheer him. Yes. And it took a really long time to get back. So, you know, the it's, thing it, is, it, I, it's thought Dean was, Ambrose. Yeah, I thought he was totally dead in the water forever after that. And the fact that he came back to, to be a viable entity, I'm not going to completely write him off, but he is absolutely rich at the nail on the head, radioactive right now. So, But here's my thought. He's kind of bringing Becky down with him a little bit. And so I think the WWE might be on to something. Have her turn on him. Her character works better when she's kind of acting like the heel that everybody wants to cheer as opposed to like being a baby face that everybody wants to cheer. I actually think that works really well. So I think that's what's at play here. Um, I think the end game is going to be a Becky quote unquote heel turn, and then they'll, you know, that that'll that'll lead to, you know, who knows what. But um, as far as the match goes, I'm kind of interested. You know, they have good chemistry together. It all depends on whether Brock wants to work, right? Because like, if Brock doesn't want to work, the match looks the exact same over and over again. But when he does want to work, he's had some pretty good matches with a lot of guys that look like Seth Rollins. And you know, I've been kind of waiting for those two to have like that really good one on one match. I don't know if you guys remember back when. The Undertaker basically hijacked Seth's spot. Yes. And yes. being Undertaker. Yeah. Was- that was last guy was 15. He beat the piss out of him until Undertaker came out there and did kick the bro. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, they showed amazing chemistry in the little bit that they worked together back then. Like, that chemistry is there, but they're going to have to have the opportunity to have that match. And I, I don't know. I feel like now that everybody's kind of down on it, this might be that time where we look at that match and be like, yeah, they actually did something really good here, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that, you know, something else is at play here, and I think that, you know, that we're, they're going to hit us with a really major angle to end the show. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. That, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, so, 
uh, one thing, uh, and I'll get to my main point, but the, the one thing that I thought was really funny was you said that, like, they're going to set up the, the Becky thing. And, like, could be, but, like, they did, after all, like, last SummerSlam tried to set this major angle to get her boot last time. And you saw what happened with that one. Uh, so, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, pretty well, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe Becky, maybe the Becky Lynch Hills, because constantly trying to work to get her boot is, like, the like the whole opposite of trying to get Roman cheered all these years. <laughs> like, we going to keep doing all these elaborate things to make it work. And it keeps backfiring on both ends. Uh, so yeah, as far as the Brock thing, like I was telling Rich on the show a couple weeks ago that you know, like that is absolutely a program or a match that like no one's gonna look forward to until the bell rings and then you look up and like, and we get past like the first four minutes where Brock is just you know overwhelming yeah. him, and then like all of a sudden, like he gets he starts selling for, for, for Seth, and you're like, and then you're in the match, and they have and then the people are like, once the bell rings, people will be into the match, but. I'm not. Nobody's gonna dig this build because, like, you've you've done this to death already. Uh, yeah, I, agree. yeah. So, um, you know, as far as uh, you know, SummerSlam and Brock is always weird. So, like, between the Randy Orton deal when he um when he made uh, what happened? What happened? What was the finish of uh, the Triple H match at SummerSlam 12? It Wasn't was like it a- he, he he submitted Triple H and Triple H yeah. like tried to milk like a fake retirement, right. and everyone fake was retirement. like I, I voted laughing that at the him. Worst SummerSlam main event of all time on my countdown. Oh wow! Yeah, like the two thousand like two thousand fourteen where he just he just squashes he, he, for for what was it. He just squashes uh, Cena. Cena, uh, you know, like there's always goofy stuff with him. Like that, that freaking the four way a couple years back with Joe and and Roman and and um and uh, I'm sorry Braun, where it's just a car collision. Like there's always awesome. I've never went back and watched it. It's one of those matches where you know the second you rewatch it, it's gonna be. I'm I'm biased. It just follows. It it follows. It was. was, I thought that was unbelievable. I mean, I remember that card being relatively terrible, and I remember that match being like uh, a match that saved the show. No, like the second, the first half of that show sucked, and the second half was great. The second half had Nakamura versus Jinder Mahal. Correct. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, well, I'm not thinking the year after that was different. Like the last two years of of SummerSlam have been half a great show and half a bad show. In, in different orders. So one show was great at the beginning and it fell off at the end, and the other one, either next year or the year before, that was the opposite. So I can't, I have to look at the cards to tell you. But yeah, it was yeah. it was a bad show. It was a two, in my mind, it was a two match show. It was, okay, uh, I remember now. I remember now because 2017 yeah. started out with like the tag match, like you know, the year of tag team wrestling. Like yeah. the first half of two of the of SummerSlam 17 was great and then tailed off, and then 18 was reversed. Uh, so I, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, I just. We'll see. I, I think I, I'm. I'm. If I had to bet on it, I think this is when we finally get the match that we've been that we've just been yeah. discussing. I think so too. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Plus, I think that we're gonna end up with a great angle in the show. So I'm not cautiously optimistic. I'm just saying, like, if I were to bet on them ever finally having the match that they were that they that you know that they can have, it would be now. But I ain't betting on it not with this company <laughs> <laughs> and, and that guy behind the wheel. So um, the singles match for the Raw Women's Championship, like I said, I'm just going to go in order here. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Natalia. Uh, they tried to, you know, they've been getting their TV time pretty much taken away from them. They've each done uh, some work on Twitter, cutting promos, uh, sniping each other on tweets, and they've done a couple physical brawls, which have actually gotten over. I was I was there at Raw Reunion, and it, it was nice to see, uh, you know, Becky and Natalia just, just drop the gloves and, and let it off. But... I don't know, like, um, it's Natalia ultimately. So, 
I don't know, man. Um, finish though. Like, where where are you at on this one, man? Well, I think it's been one of the better booked angles of the whole show, um, for similar reasons that you mentioned. And last week's angle was great, honestly. You know, they had a tag match that uh, I'm sorry, not a, a tag match. They had a segment that showed you know Alexa and Nikki beating down uh, Becky after after a match, and you know Natalia comes out for supposed save and puts her in a sharpshooter and challenges her to a submission match. I do think this is ultimately going to end up being a submission match, and I think we're better off for it. You know, I think that those two can have a great submission match together. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I tend to be a little bit of an insomniac, and uh, you guys know I reach out to, to you guys on a regular basis to be like, "Hey, I need a, a wrestling show to watch as I'm I'm getting ready to fall asleep," and so. Uh, I did this with James earlier in the week, and the show that he recommended me was Battleground 2016. And Natty and Becky had an excellent match on that show. And uh, obviously, you know, Becky is far more over now than she was then. Um, and, and there's a lot more going on here with it being in Natty's hometown and with the added gimmick. I'm, I actually have high hopes for this match. I think that it's going to deliver. And like I said, I feel like it ties into the main event. This could be something where why did they book Becky against a hometown person? You know, it's like they want to get her booed. Um, so I feel like something is up here. I just wouldn't be surprised if she does something really dastardly here that is supposed to make you want to boo her. Um, and then that ultimately carries over into the main event. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that match. You know, I didn't think it was going to be one of the matches on the card that I was really looking forward to, but I think it's been booked very well. And I think there's a lot of intrigue as to exactly how that's going to play out. Okay. So, so like if that actually were to happen, like now that we talked about it again is, uh, it- the the Becky screw Seth type of thing. So would that now be so would we be saying like sarcastically that they are now copying their main event angle with what they're doing with the canalysis? Like all of a sudden all of a sudden we have the we have we have the 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 the, the woman in the relationship basically turning heel at random on the significant male uh, uh other like when is like okay so no, eh. I- I don't think you can compare the two. I mean, the Canellis angle is comic relief, right? Like that's all it's. Bro, what is for. this? Like, I kind of okay, just, I just keep I, hearing I, like crazy shit. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah no, they've wild. had weird things, insane things on national television. Oh, it's fine, God. but but you then, know, it, that's comic relief. Like, you can't really take those two things seriously. Like, they no, could be I, real I, I wasn't. I wasn't fully serious. I wasn't yeah. fully serious. No, you so know, wasn't a uh, okay. So like, just a. Why are they just doing this stuff with Maria and like they're saying that like Mike has a vagina or she said that Mike had a vagina the other day? Like what is what is going on? I guess any TV time is better than no TV time, right? So if they're like you're getting nothing, Usi hot something we have, but we're gonna embarrass the heck out of you every single time your face is on our TV. I think they're gonna turn around and be like, you know what? I'll get embarrassed. It's it's good at least hey, my face is on TV. They, they, they got to make use of them new five year contracts uh, that they signed. So you know they got WWE got to get their money back. You know for this investment they put in the uh, Canela's eye. Um, so recoup in the Canela eye. Yes. Oh man. Yeah, but any, yeah, I I think um I think it's gonna be a good match and yeah like I think that was the second time I ever uh I ever uh like recommended Battleground 2016 to you because like I just remember that card at the time it was just, like it was right it was like the last review right before or sorry uh like the last one that was a SummerSlam like right before the uh the brand split it was like you know 2016 was such a great year for pay per view and just like. Yeah, man, like they they they're loaded with talent right now. Like Sami Zayn, like he's like a, a real mid car guy now. Like they finally got him off to, to a good start after like you know wonky at the beginning, and you know, and then they were like, nah, like Rusev versus Sami Zayn, nah, 
the big dog versus Rusev. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Where we have the big, where we have the big dog insulting people's wives as the baby face is like okay, okay, yeah, all right, sure, oh, man. Um, so our next match, uh, singles match for the SmackDown Women's Championship, a strange choice, uh, given their personalities. I, I, you know, I don't really get into either of their uh their talking, you know, per se. I, I think Ember Moon should be banned from speaking into the microphone. <laughs> um, if she ever sees a mic, she someone should come slap it from away from uh her before she talks. But uh, Bailey versus Ember Moon, help me. I don't, <laughs> I don't get this one. So the, the, I feel the battle, like or the the this... battle of of Oscar's personal jobbers. Like I don't, I don't understand this. So, so I look at it in, in, in this way, much in the same way that I, I'm looking at some of the card for AEW All Out. So I'm going All Out, right? And I was telling Rich before we went on the air that I'm not that excited about the card that's put on paper. But you know, knowing they've got a lot of credibility built up there, I feel very confident that it's going to deliver. And so I look at Ember Moon versus Bailey, and you know, on paper that match is not exciting in the sense that neither neither character really excites me in any way. But, you know, I feel like on game day, it's going to be pretty much next to impossible for a Baylor versus M- Bailey versus Ember Moon match not to deliver. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really interested in that match for that reason. You know, Ember Moon is very underrated in the ring. I agree with you. I'm not interested in hearing her talk. But, you know, I'm not convinced that she's not, like, one of the two or three best women's wrestlers on the entire roster. And, you know, Bailey has shown, especially as of late, that she can have a great match with just about anybody. Bailey's been. I I will say this about Bailey though. She's been. I want to say since the Ronda match she had on Raw, which was admittedly a disaster. But the thing was, Bailey during it was. She looked like such a pro during it. Like she was just like taking control. Like it would have been way worse without Bailey in the ring. And I feel like she's been like quietly putting together an underrated year. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you know she's she's definitely gotten better as far as you know, the quality of her matches. They, you know, I feel like when she first got on the main roster, they she wasn't really clicking the way that she clicked in NXT, and I feel like she's finally finding her groove a little bit in the ring. So um, I'm really looking forward to that match just because I, I feel like those two can't have a bad match together. We'll see what happens. James? Yeah, this were NXT. It'd be no doubt that they have a four-and-a-quarter star match. We'll see what happens on the main roster. I mean, I don't really have anything to say about it because I can't. Because I mean, yeah, you're right. Like they're look, they're here to wrestle. They're not here to talk. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So pretty much, we'll see it. So yeah, singles match for the WWE Championship: Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. A match ten years in the making. Pay no attention that they did it on SmackDown randomly before WrestleMania. But um, yeah. So now this one, you know. They've been cutting some promos here, hitting personal stuff, playing with real life events, and it sounds all real, real good. What's happening with this one? Like I'm into the match. I'm into Kofi versus Randy Orton, especially if you know he can go ahead and whoop uh, Randy Orton's ass here. Um, what do you think of this Kofi run uh, so far, Dave? So, well, okay, so two different pieces, right? So first off, I'm not sure there's been a better booked champion in the last 10 years than Kofi Kingston like they've just done everything they needed to do to take somebody who you know maybe it would have been really easy for this title run to fall off the rails and just make them look super credible I mean honestly they basically booked him like Hogan in like the late 80s they're like (laughs) you will beat everybody (laughs) 
right? I mean, yes. Everybody in the move in the in the middle of the ring with your move, right? Right. It's, it's like it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> Kofi Kingston's gonna drop in with Trouble in Paradise, and that's gonna be the end of the story. And I'm I'm here for it. It's been great. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm terrified about this match on many levels. Is this so, his first dangerous opponent? Because I don't feel like he's had a dangerous opponent yet that you felt like he was going to lose to. Right. Well, so so there's a couple different things going on here, right? So first, you know, I think he's had a long enough run where if he loses it now, you're not like, oh, well, that, that was a waste. Like, I think that, that you've gotten some mileage out of this. But, like, you know, you and I were talking about this right after WrestleMania when they're like, it's going to be really important that they book, you know, they give, they feed some guys to Kofi to make him look strong. And we're like, Randy Orton's the perfect guy to feed to him as like the first feud. You know, he barely is around anymore. You know, there's no real reason for him to ever win a world title again, but his name still carries some value, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that felt like the, the main event or like the, the WWE title match on like, uh, you know, extreme rules or something yeah. like that. It doesn't feel like the SummerSlam main event. Like, don't get me wrong, Randy Orton still has a name, but like a Randy Orton match isn't like a John Cena match, you know, right. where, you know, it's a destination. And 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 so I'm kind of disappointed that they booked this match, but I'm even more terrified at the idea that like they could they could really have Orton win because Kofi has. He's looked so strong for such a long time. Like, did they book this match to keep that ball rolling? I hope so, but I, I fear that, you know, this is just going to be LOL Randy wins in the same similar way that it's been LOL Lesnar wins mm-hmm. so often. And so And Orton I, does have a stellar history at SummerSlam. Right. So I'm terrified on that front, but even more so than that, you know, this card is gonna have like fifteen matches by the time it's done. And, you know, I went to WrestleMania thirty five and I mean there were so many matches on that show that people are like, Ooh, I'm really looking forward to that. But the biggest thing about that was that the main events that were on that show were marquee matches. People wanted to see Becky Lynch. They wanted to see Seth Rollins, Lesnar. They especially wanted to see Kofi versus Daniel Bryan. But like the thing is, it doesn't matter how much you want to see those matches. By the time the main event came on, everybody's exhausted. And you know, I really feel like this is one of those matches where, if this card is really going to be as long as people think it is, this is a match people could just totally tune out on. You know that like they're just not into Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston, and not into it in the fourth hour of of a marathon event like this. So I've got a lot of real concerns about this match. I'd love for it to happen early and I'd love for Kofi to just look super strong and super clean and just drop Randy Orton again and then go move on to something else. But I'm just really worried that this is going to go in an, in another direction and it's not a good direction for SmackDown. James. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you were to ask me, which is, which of these quote unquote, uh, headlining matches is going to, you know, be like, uh, in the nine starts start at nine o'clock. I would probably be, put pencil this one in. Um, yeah, so I agree with you guys as far as uh, you know he's had a lengthy run or and everything. You, and if you take the belt off of him, you can't really. I mean, aside of it being Randy Orton, if they were to give it, if you were to be in a match with you know Roman Reigns or somebody like, you can't really say like he got shortchanged because he went from station to station from a big four to a big four. And you know, for me, like that's good enough. Uh, now. You know, as far as wanting to see them do it, like I would have loved to have seen this at any point in time aside from right now because it's like Randy Orton is, I mean, I mean, Randy Orton had a great match with Jeff Hardy at Hell in a Cell last year, but that was last year. And he can, he can still probably have a, a he still can have nice professional wrestling matches, but it's like at this point, he's, he's, he's just too, his pacing is just way too slow, even by Randy Orton standards for, for these days. And I mean, I can see them. 
I can see them going out there and having a, a really good, you know, twelve minute match, but anything past that, I think I think you're asking for trouble as far as keeping the crowd's attention and also like you mentioned, if they go later in the card. So yeah. Is that trouble in paradise, James? No. Oh, boo that man. Boo that man. Hey, another another quick point on that though, you know? The one thing that makes me think that I really don't have to worry about Orton is the fact that the Shane McMahon specter is still looming. And I just can't help but think that Shane's gonna end up with the world title at some point and be the person that beats Kofi. Oh so maybe God. that's maybe that's that's enough for me to be confident in the fact that it's not going to be Orton, but I, I just don't know. I think, uh, I mean, that that's really that's really shitty. Dude. That's <laughs> yeah. really I, I, wow. I'll say this, uh, Kofi. Like, if, if the rain is continuing, he needs a strong match here because the last couple matches yeah. just you know him and Dolph weren't you know wasn't well received like that. The Joe match was just you know there and. A lot of that has been obviously because there's been no threat. Uh, Right. Right. I I think right now at this point is what, you know, you mentioned it like we all thought that first thing they should, the first thing they should ran was Orton. Now that it's SummerSlam, we think he's still going to mow through Orton. So I'm thinking like, first uh, on Fox, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the next big show. Yeah. It's probably safe to think that yeah he's good to to the first SmackDown on Fox. Yeah. So the next match on on deck, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. If Owens loses, he will quit WWE. I only wish that the stipulations were reversed because I would love for Shane McMahon to quit WWE. I would love to never have to watch those punches again. I would love to never uh, have to watch him sweat like a pig and turn red uh, during his matches. I hope uh, Kevin Owens kicks him in the gut, turns his head slightly sideways, drops him with a stunner, and then does it 30 more times. So KO's going to win this, right? Um, and, and so here's the thing, right? Like, What if, uh, what if uh, Shane's really, trying to get his win back on, on I'm Owens? Really, I'm really torn on this in the sense that, um, you know, I like to bag on Shane McMahon for obvious reasons, but like, just about all of his matches have been really good. You stop, know? stop, 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 stop right now. Stop. No, they have. No, listen, you're lying. You're lying. Listen, there were so many matches sucked. It's, most, it was sucked. There were so many matches sucked. No, I love that WrestleMania match. So, you know, hey, listen, I think yeah. it was the fucking best match on the whole show. But, you know, that's, oh my that's God. <laughs> you know, so, I can see, you know, I can see you smiling, right? You no, know, I can I'm see you, right? Listen, that match... That match was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It reminded me of like kind of like a throwback to what they did with their hardcore matches in like the uh, like the late nineties. So anyway, point is, um, hardcore god Mike Mazanin is that out of all of his matches that he's had so far over the last you know two plus years since he's been back or however long it's been, the worst ones were all with Kevin Owens. Like these two don't have good chemistry together at all, and. I, I could see it just completely going off the rails. I mean, KO has to win, you know, and I'm more intrigued about where they all go from here rather than this specific match, you know? Like, are they really booking KO as, like, the number one babyface on SmackDown? If they are, that's bad news for Kofi Kingston, right? You know, is Shane McMahon really going to be the number one keel on SmackDown? If they are, that's bad news for Kofi Kingston. So I'm very interested in seeing, like, where they leave this match, you know? So, so is and- this a rare wins and losses matter match in WWE? 
I don't know. I don't think so. Because, think, because when I it comes think, to Shane McMahon, he's untouchable. Like, we needed the Undertaker to, to come out here and pin Shane McMahon. Besides <laughs> that, Shane hadn't been pinned since, like, 2018 at least. Right. So, so with the stipulation, Kevin Owens isn't losing, right? Like, I mean, he's not going anywhere. So I think that I think that you can safely say he's going to win. It's just a matter of what what happens from there, you know. And like, I don't know. I'm not really into that match. I just I feel like it's going to be a problem on a lot of levels. I I would I would enjoy, um, I would get perverse enjoyment out of Kevin Owens having to quit WWE. Uh, by losing to Shane, so that we can like tally up the number of times in the last two years where he's had to, where he's had some type of work stoppage, because that would now be at least a third one. Yeah, and it's probably it's probably like four, really four or five. And it's like he figure out something to do with him besides saying that man's off, off, like he's not working or he can't come in. Can we stop doing this to him? Like we're like, can we stop doing this? Like, it, it, whatever. Uh, um. I don't know, man. Like, I, it's something to get through. It's just something to get through. Like, I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to be fair and watch it. And if it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. But to me, to most me, likely, it's not going to be good because because yeah. Shane's not a good wrestler. This this match is a microcosm of of some of the problems with their bigger shows now. Is that you you know any they don't need 15 matches on a show, and certainly don't need this match clogged up 20 minutes. What's What's um, Drew doing on this card? Uh, supposedly, supposedly he's he's yeah he's linked to Cedric Alexander. Yeah, oh, that's right. Facing Cedric, right? You know, that's but right. it hasn't been announced. Um, it hasn't been announced, and it definitely won't be a match that's focused on. If right. it's on the card. And Elias will be lurking, right? So, <laughs> God. Yeah, 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 keep in mind, like, look, all bets are off on you. You know, we all think that it will make everyone, anybody with a with a with some damn you know reasonable that's reasonable thinks Kevin Owens is winning. But you got to remember, they had Shane beat Roman fucking Reigns. Yeah. So all bets are off. You're oh, right. That's a good point. You know, because if they if he supposedly retires Kevin Owens, that's a pretty good way to launch him into the Kofi Kingston mix, isn't it? You are evil, Dave. You know that you are evil, I tell you. Um so yeah, moving on, uh we've got the fiend. Did you know he was called the fiend, uh, James? Yes. And I'm, and you know, I don't know what fiends y'all know or y'all ever met, but that is not I, I, the fiends I, I've ever been around and met. Like those, no, no, <laughs> they do no. not have those masks on. Um, yeah, they, they, and most of the, and most of the fiends. I mean, I will give them this. Both most of the fiends I've ever been around are also charismatic in the way that Bray Wyatt is also charismatic. So I'll give I, they got that part right at least. So we'll, so we can move on. So the fiend, and I repeat, the fiend, and I will say it one more time because of WWE branding. The fiend Bray Wyatt. Uh, will be taking on Finn Balor. Uh, you know, I think there was a situation that you know he jumped out on him after he had a match. You know, of course, how all Bray Wyatt feuds begin. So we thought it was a new character. No, it's just dressing different clothes now. Um, <laughs> he comes out, attacks this guy. This match is set. Will we see the demon? Not at SummerSlam. No, I think that Finn Balor's taking some time off. This is going to be a squash ah. match. You know, I, I think this is glorified squash. I don't see how it goes any other way. That's um, what I would I'm, do. I'm fine with that. You know, listen, if, if you're going to, if they're ever going to go all in with Bray Wyatt, now's the time to do it. I still kind of feel like Rich does, which is that, you know, there's certain limitations to doing a character like this. And no matter how you dress and no matter how you slice it, they're probably going to run into that same brick wall eventually. But 
He's got a lot of hype behind him right now. People are really into those segments. When his music or special effects hits, he's, he's getting a good reaction from the crowd. Just run with it. If Balor's taking some time off, have Wyatt squash him and then put him into something more meaningful after that. Any any chance we can uh, make this a Ring of Fire match to, to celebrate Bray Wyatt's uh, anniversary? Six, in the six anniversaries, <laughs> six anniversary of his first match in WWE in the main roster. Yes, yeah. I was asked like I paused for a second. I was actually counting like 2013 SummerSlam. I count, okay, so it's been six. This is the sixth anniversary. So like, yeah, man, um, you've had six years of Bray Wyatt, and like I, I can't say that is that is in, in that has increased my wrestling fandom. I can't say I can't say that at all. Uh, yeah, man. You know he's lost weight. I haven't seen him wrestle since then. I don't know if he's had any matches or whatever else. But I'm interested. I'm interested at least to see like what he's learned in his time off and as far as in the ring. And you know I'm willing to get another shot because like can't say the dude can't talk. It's just like he talks so much about nothing and he's like I, I just zoned him out for for years. And then like it's you know his booking and his feuds were just some of the some of the absolute zero professional wrestling. So, uh, yeah, man, we, we'll we see. We'll see. Like, hopefully, you know, he gets himself over or, you know, can't say he should win. And, like, whoever he faces next, we'll see, like, what how that works out because, you know, Battler's going on vacay or whatever else. But I wonder what he's going to do after this. And hopefully it's good because, you know, like, Bray Wyatt has a track record of never getting himself or anyone else over. So, but we'll see, like, it's kind of time to now we're heading to Fox or we're on the path towards Fox. Like it's time. It's time to see. Yeah. And we don't know what brand he's on. Uh, I don't even remember oh, yeah. what brand Finn Balor is. I think he's a SmackDown guy. So maybe yeah, Bray's he's, a, SmackDown he's a SmackDown guy, guy yeah. now. So we'll see where he ends up in the fallout. But um, uh, Finn's I, a SmackDown guy. Yeah. Um, U.S. title AJ Styles, the champion with the OC uh, against Ricochet in their fourth match now. So they had two TV matches. They had a very slow uh, interference uh, Latin match uh, last time. It was not the Ricochet versus AJ Styles match that would have happened in PWG, New Japan, uh, NXT, NXT, uh, anywhere else on earth. And I was just like, you know, I kind of looked at this like, this is why I no longer regularly commit to this company. They take my favorite wrestlers, they strip them, they basically water them down, and they make them just half as spectacular as they were. And <laughs> I'm not excited about this match. And I feel like I should be on cloud nine. Ricochet's my guy. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, Dave, like, you know... This is, as we mentioned, there's going to be 15 matches on this show by the time it's all said and done. What are what are Styles and Ricochet going to get? Do you think AJ Styles still commands that respect uh, to be given time for his matches uh, at so, this point? It, interesting you say that. I don't know what the answer is to that. But I look at who it feels like the WWE is looking to create a new star out of, and it feels like they're looking to put their promotional weight behind Ricochet. I, could, I see the slow burn coming there, similar to how I see it with Aleister Black on SmackDown. I feel like that they've kind of pegged those two guys as people where, like, we want to create new stars, and these are going to be the two guys that we try to create stars out of. Mm -hmm. So I feel like because they have an interest in building Ricochet, they're going to get time. Are they going to get 25 minutes? No, I don't think they're going to get 25 minutes. North, way, North, North, North should they get 25 minutes. No. If they can't have the match they need to have inside of 18 or 15 yeah. minutes, then, like, then, then AJ's just shot. And you need to tell you need to tell Ricochet he needs to change his offensive repertoire. 
Yeah, and so that's where I'm at, is I think we're going to get, you know, like a 17-minute match. I think it's going to be a classic. I see no reason why that's not going to be a fantastic match. I think the WWE is very motivated to have Ricochet come off as a star here. And I think that's the whole reason. I think that's the whole reason for setting this feud up, was was that they were going to have AJ beat him in a questionable match with interference, and the banger of the match where Ricochet goes over is going to be at SummerSlam. I would open the show with this. You would what? I would open the show with this if I was WWE, knowing the way they do it. I want to see it early on the show just because I think that it will benefit from a super hot crowd. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see it early on the show. James? I don't know, man. Like, if you had told me, hell, six months ago, these two were going to wrestle at SummerSlam, then I would have been over the moon. I've been like, this is what this company desperately needs to get out out, out out of its own way, and it's here. And I'm just like, it, you know, it's just like I'm just so, I, you know, I'm just so done with this company, with this main roster. Like, until they, and I, 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 I just want it to be better. I just do, and the TV just saps me of, of my enthusiasm for for it. And I'm just at a point where it's like, look, these are two of the what. 10, 15 most talented wrestlers in the world. Let's let let them go out there and be them that they've always been, you know, <laughs> and and get out of your own way. And if you do, then they'll have a great match, and you can pat yourself on the back and call yourself a genius for for doing things, for literally rolling the ball out. So I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Is like, look, man, these guys are these guys are excellent. Get out the way. Yeah, I, I, it's like um. This should be, as you mentioned, someone rolling the ball. This should be the Mike D'Antoni offense. This should be, <laughs> this should be Don Nelly ball. This, this shouldn't be like the equal opportunity. The walk, the Larry Brown play the right way, walk the ball up like style of, of wrestling. This should not be that. This should be, this should be a star making moment for Ricochet. This should be a spectacular, like anything less than the Adam Cole match he did last year. Is like that. All that does is tell me Styles is finished. Like, as like the you know top look, elite guy look, that we know he listen, is or was. Finished, like, he, like a lot of that. I feel it could feel like a lot of you like, dude. They can't. They can't even get it right. Like they turned AJ back heel when he was, and that was when he was at his best with this company. And they still can't like figure it out. Like that's uh, that's almost like what you're saying. If they get, if they can't go out there and have a classic, and and it feels like. I, I can absolutely see them screwing this up again because it's like it wasn't that hard. It, you know how hard you have to try to, to screw up a, an AJ Styles and, and Ricochet match three times where we have to have interference and they can't wrestle between because they can't wrestle between uh, during commercial breaks for some fucking reason. And then we go to this to the match they just had and it's like they just had the slowest match. They just had the slowest match you could possibly imagine those two having. It's like, hey man, like that's not no one no one pays to see Ricochet and Jay Styles wrestle wrestle like they're Randy Orton in uh in Roman Reigns like get, cut that out so and it, i mean there's no there's no knock on Roman Reigns or Randy Orton this is like that's not what these two this is not what got these two signed to WWE absolutely not yeah. so let them do what got them here like and the funny part is like they let Daniel Bryan have his matches they used to let AJ have his matches what is going on and I'm getting PTSD uh, of WrestleMania 34 uh, with <laughs> Styles and Nakamura because, oh like, god. oh my god, yeah, it's just like, well, no, no, let's back up on that real quick. I think that 
there was plenty of reason to think that Styles and Nakamura was going to go the way that it went. This Nakamura man is trying Styles. to take a victory lap on us, James. Do you hear this? Wait, what's Nak- going on? I, this I, man I, is I attempting to, to take a victory lap. Style was not conducive to what everybody wanted that match to be. And and on the other hand, well, how so? Trade, how so? He's very slow and very methodical and very plotting. Why and do you think he's? Why do you think he's like that? Because that's how he's always been. He needs thirty minutes to get moving. That's how he's and, always been. Listen, his match always, with Kota Ibushi was twenty-one minutes in at Wrestle Kingdom nine. It was twenty-one he need, minutes. He needs that extra time, you know. And and the thing was, it just it didn't it didn't his style just doesn't resonate with the WWE audience. It doesn't, and that's fine. We're gonna get super sidetracked on this, but I warned everybody about that. Whereas Ricochet's or, style. Or everybody works slower in WWE compared to the rest of the world, and therefore, that happened. Ricochet's style is so much more fitted for having a classic match in this spot. I think that we're going to get a great match. I don't know that it's going to be a classic. I think it's going to be very, very, very good. And I'm I'm here for it. If it's not four stars, this company should close itself. Um, The other big match that has been added, and I think there have been some interesting promos going on about women and you know what they were compared to you know x amount of years ago versus now and legacies and they're a little bit of fuck you sasha banks of uh, being from wwe with this um <laughs> trish stratus versus charlotte flair now we all love trish growing up i i, I think that's fair to assume um you know we got our enjoyment out of trish but the the um the the recasting of Trish Stratus as this legend has puzzled me. So twofold. Are we frozen? No, no, no we good. We we good. We're good. Okay. So 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 twofold. So I I actually had a conversation with you about this, and I still up until right now didn't know where you landed on this. And so she's definitely a legend. She was incredibly popular. I mean, you know, there's, there's, it's hard to argue that she hasn't been, like, the most popular diva they've ever had, right, you know, in, in that era. But I agree with you that she got a lot of credit for being better than anyone expected an attractive female to be in that era at wrestling. Uh, she was never a great wrestler. She was passable. And so people who look back and say she's one of the best in-ring wrestlers of female wrestlers of all time, no way. <laughs> no. She was she was passable for what she needed to be at the time. Now she's a lot older. So if people are expecting this great match, like, you know, in 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 the ring, it's not gonna happen. Do I think Charlotte can get something relatively respectable out of Trish? Yes, I think she's fantastic. But I'm not here for any of that. I don't care about the quality of the match. I'm here for the spectacle of it. I, I'm the kind of fan that wants to see these two gigantic names face each other, you know, in a match that we never thought that we would see. And side of it, this has a great place on the card. So I really don't care if they go out and just run your average run-of-the-mill 12-minute match, you know? Um I, I'm here to watch it. I think it's going to be exciting just to see these two face each other because in reality, when you talk about WWE careers, you know, I don't think you get four wrestlers down the list before you get to both of them. I think they should bonus Charlotte a million dollars on the spot if she can get three and a quarter out of Trish right now. James, Three what, and a quarter? Yes, if she can get three and a quarter out of, out of Trish right now. 
Why do you think she can't get through in the court out of Trish? Like, Trish has never embarrassed herself. She hasn't had a singles match since 2006, James. Right, but it's like, okay, we know what the deal is. Like, I'm sure they're down there cooking up a storm in the PC for the last month. Right, so it's like I, I'm not I'm not concerned about Tr- Trish has never embarrassed herself, so I have no reason to ever to think that like, you know, I mean, she was out there with Alita last year at Evolution, and she managed to not embarrass herself. And Alita was out there. We we were all scared to death of her doing that moonsault. <laughs> so less so like for me is like I, I I'm not concerned about this match at all. Like I I, I think they're gonna go out there and have a above three star match, and that's fine, and they'll be fine. Like I I don't think it's gonna go long either. I think they're gonna get in, get their shit out, and get or get their shit in and get out of there. Like, I think that it's similar to. Uh, do you remember? Obviously, not the same dynamic, but you remember the Brie Bella and Stephanie match from 2014, right? Right. It's like they're gonna be in there, and they're definitely not gonna do anything to embarrass to embarrass either one of them, especially the elder that's in the match. So they're gonna go out there. They're gonna have a, pro, a sports entertainment classic and get out of there, and we're gonna look back and say. This is the good sports entertainment. Give us this sports entertainment, not people pissing their pants, Vince. So I, I can't help but to think uh, this is the answer to uh, Gil Kim versus Tessa Blanchard, uh, which <laughs> oh, went down and was legitimately awesome. And Tessa Blanchard just looked like a ball of fire in that match, just like like a like a trailblazer, like someone that's that's literally pulling somebody out of the old era and Gail Kim's a lot, been a lot more active than um, yeah. Trish right. has been, but right. I, it, it's interesting that uh, both the sons of, uh, or excuse me, the uh, daughters of the horsewomen, uh, the daughters of the horsemen, <laughs> both ended up with like similar pulling legends out of retirement matches during the same year. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It'd be even more interesting if like, you know, Tessa was in WWE and we would have gotten this Tessa versus Charlotte series that they should have done. They should have had planned for like two, at least two years by now. Like, I, I, I don't know how they screwed this one up. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> like, did they not see that Tessa was going to be very, very good at wrestling? Like, did they not see that? Yeah. Is I, it that they weren't interested in her or is it that she wasn't interested in signing? Cause I kind of got the impression that it, she was not interested. It was, it was, talk, it was talks about, she, uh, and from what I've heard, it was talks about like it was you know that neither one of them was in love with either with the other, and also like there was always some talk about Tessa being immature slash having attitude problems at the time, which is funny because like the person there that you just that we all think they're rocket strapping uh, for their future, uh, she used to date and also was known for being this cocky guy that had arrogance issues and and, and diva issues as well. But it's like okay, so basically what you're saying is one had a vagina, the other one did not. <laughs> um yeah so those are all the matches that are listed of course that Dolph Ziggler Miz uh matches that's listed which um, is well, not happening so, so they, they announced Sami Zayn versus Aleister Black too so oh, okay. that's, that's there okay yeah and so Sami Zayn and Aleister Black it feels- I'm pretty excited for that too in the sense that you know I think that Aleister is in the very early stages of a monster push and you know I think they're handling him the right way they gave him Cesaro last month and those two tore it up and they gave him Sami Zayn this month, and I think those two are going to tear it up again. And I think that, you know, they're they're giving him the right type of guys to make him look like a million bucks. And that that's that's the, the end game here. I can't help but to notice, and I, I don't like, you know, I don't feel any type of way about this. Um, but there's no Baron Corbin on this card uh, right now. Um, 
This is this p- confuses me because he's he's riding around that Lambo now. Oh yeah 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 that Lambo. Um, <laughs> that, that Billy Gunn uh, said is not does not belong to him. However, uh, I, I will I will move do, off do of shading, Mister Corbin. Do you think he ran out the Lambo from four hundred five the same way the rappers used to in the early two uh, thousands? Bro, you can probably um do a a, a BT how I'm living at Baron Corbin's house and he bought it for six thousand dollars uh, from Galveston, Texas. Um, <laughs> Like, like, like T.I. said, the little flip, you know, um, <laughs> what you riding in is rented. That ain't even your house. 20, tw- $22 million dollar man. Dave has no idea what the fuck we're talking about. No, I feel like Seth Rollins and Ring of NWO and, and DX is hugging each other. <laughs> we'll fill you in. Oh, my God. I'll mute myself. I'm laughing too hard. Yeah, um, we'll fill you in. T.I. versus Lil Flip, one of the most decisive rap battle victories of all time. Um, But yeah, uh, Baron Corbin's been pushed like a main event super duper star. Or, you know, as high as one can get, essentially without being a champion or a babyface, right? Like He's he's ate up TV time, ate a bunch of innings like like a long relief pitcher. Um, they've focused on him all throughout the fall. Of course, you know, the ratings collapse on his watch. They have him retire angle. They do the month, uh, the three month long program with Rollins. What do you, I know you like Corbin, Dave. What do you make of him just being a complete, like, so ghost? I feel like they've made, I feel like they've made, he's made some, some strides forward in the sense that he's a better wrestler than he was a year ago. His character is better than it was a year ago. Um, <sighs> But with with all that said, you know, I mean, I, I buy into the fact that Paul Heyman has a lot more control than he used to, right? Like, I mean, I, I do buy into the fact that he he is having some stroke and some authority, and Baron Corbin doesn't really fit the mold of the kind of guy that Paul Heyman likes. You know, I just I just don't buy it. I think he likes his heels to be more of the monster badass type, and Corbin just isn't that. He's got some size, but he's not intimidating. And, you know, he's not really believable as, as a super big tough guy. And, like, I tend to think that, you know, Heyman likes your Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar types a lot more than he likes, say, like a Baron Corbin, you know? So maybe he's going to get cast aside because if Heyman really is running the show, I just don't know that there's a place for Baron Corbin. And the other thing is he's had a little bit of overexposure in the sense that he's been involved in all these big main event storylines, you know? So, like... Where do you really go with that that's new and interesting? Like, I think that maybe, you know, they, they tried it. It didn't really work, and they're just going to move on from it. Um, where is Strowman? I think he's lurking. I think that they're slowly putting him in, him in a position to be a prominent player again, and that rather than just throw him in some nothing angle here, they're, they're waiting until, you know, things clear out a little bit here. I mean, that's never stopped them before, you know, for, from with, with Strowman. They've thrown him in two Andre the Giant Battle Royals. Yeah. Colin Jones, they've tagged him up with children to move him out the way. I, 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 I Listen, I, I just wouldn't put that them behind a heel turn with, with Strowman. He just strikes me as the exact type of guy that Heyman wants to take and just make this absolute monster that wrecks everybody. You know, he just fits the bill. I could see it happening. I don't think it's 100% that it's going to happen, but it's just if Heyman's really running the show, he just strikes me as the kind of guy that he turns into this just monster mega heel. Don't you think we're already past that mark with him being the big heel now that he's been exposed enough to where we know what his match looked like and that won't, that dog won't necessarily hunt at the top of a card anymore. 
I have faith in Paul Heyman making him look good. No, what I'm saying is, if you're going to put him to back, what I'm guess what I'm asking is, don't don't you think that if he if they were going to move him back to the top of the card, that he needs to work as a baby face that does like these cartoonish types of feats of of strength or or, or rage or whatever else to pop the crowd? You can't really do that as a heel. I mean, I think that there's a lot you can do as a heel. Yeah, I agree with you that you can't do the 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 big crowd pleasing spots in the way that they've done with him, but. Mm-hmm. I also know that Heyman's got a really good track record of booking monster heels. And, uh, you know, he just fits the mold. You know, I'm not saying that it's definitely going to be him, but he checks Mm -hmm. off a lot of the boxes that Heyman looks for. So um, I just think he's lurking, and I think that they've protected him a little bit in the booking as of late, you know, Um, for reason. I I just – I think that after SummerSlam, he could could take a significant step forward again. So notably absent, this could be a – announced match uh the women's tag team championships in wwe largely have been completely not focused on since wrestlemania 35 um there's i I believe i heard something about a fatal four-way in the works of course you would have the iconics the champions uh kabuki warriors fire and desire and one other team that i can't think of uh, or alexa and, and um nikki um should they just throw these belts in the bin, Dave? Probably. Um, I want this to work. I really do. They have not done themselves any favors. You know, the best way to make this work was to ha- to put it on to keep it on a team like Bailey and Sasha. Let them be super credible. Let them have significant time on pay per view to have great matches and build the division through them. Instead, what they did was they put him on a team who I think, you know, personality-wise, they're pretty good, but their wrestling's not inspiring everybody, anybody. And there's a reason that they haven't really built any pay-per-view matches around them because you really can't. It doesn't really work. And so, you know, WWE chose to not take this division seriously, so why should we? Do I think it's completely dead in the water? I don't think it's completely dead in the water. I think that if you put it on, you know, Bliss and Nikki Cross – they could they could have some runway with that you know Bliss has some popularity and Nikki Cross is a great wrestler and I think that you know you could you can make that work but you know I think the struggle that they're going to have is that you know you've got to book two women's singles title matches on every pay per view now then you need four you know two additional tag teams to fill in the tag spot are there enough women's wrestlers on the main roster and enough ready to keep filling up those ranks? To have a viable division, I don't know that the answer is yes. So check this out: they, they, they were supposed to have like insulated themselves from having to worry about this. They were supposed to be going from brand to brand. People in NXT were supposed to be able to wrestle for this. People in NXT UK were supposed to be able to challenge challenge for this. They've completely not lived up to the parameters that they gave themselves for this title, and there's there's just no excuse for what they've done with this. No, it's a bigger picture issue with the women's division in general is that they built everything up to WrestleMania 35. They didn't really handle the main event the way that they needed to, and it's been a steady decline ever since. You know, I mean, they haven't given you a reason to care about the women's division in the way that they did prior to WrestleMania 35. So I think that it's one example of a much bigger picture issue that they're having in that, you know, we're kind of back to an era where women's wrestling is not being taken as seriously as men's wrestling. Becky is very popular, but it's not like they're building tremendous programs across the board. James, you're sitting there looking like you're boiling. 
Um, <laughs> so can you speak on on the on the issue of the of the women's tag team titles and the women's division at large, like in WWE? Because I know we've been, um, you know, here on this show, you guys have heard we've been watching Stardom, and they don't seem to have these issues. Where do you want me to start on this again? <laughs> the 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 fatal four way women's title match, which okay. may or may not happen. <clears throat> okay, so if it happens, I imagine that it's going to be Alexa and um, Nikki that Nikki Luna wins, and you know that'll be a, a market step up because both of them are way more credible as people inside the ring than um, Peyton and Billy Kay. Um, and also, like, you know, Alexa has credibility, you know, regardless of however mediocre and bland and repetitive her matches are, she she's been around, she has been pushed, and people buy her as somebody that can win, as a, as a winner. So, that's step up over these two fucking losers that they've, that they've, that they've, <laughs> that they've made, that they've, that they've created, right? Like, it's, not, it's nothing against Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, like, they've been put in position to fail, and now they look bad when it's the company that has screwed them over when, like, they, they, you know, they're not even entertaining in the way that they actually are on the dot com or on the network. So it's like and it's, that's the case for most people. But like, it's even worse when you like your comedy heals and you can't even get that over on TV because it, because you're the people that are writing comedy for you, comedy for you are terrible at, at it. So anyway, um, I think they should win. Uh, it, uh, you know, I think I'm, or let me, let me phrase that. You know who I think should really win if you're trying to build a credible division. It should be Oscar and Kyrie. They're two of the best wrestlers in the world, regardless of gender. But I don't get I don't get to say. Uh, so if you're going to be Vince, like I see, that's the route you go because it finally gives you something to do with Alexa, where you can take her, where you can have somebody sitting in, almost like in that Seth role from 2017, where it's like, all right, we don't really have anything to do for you right now. Really, because we don't either. We have to push you, or we can't, and we reminded that we that we have something that we want you to do something. So let's give you this to do. Um, and they can make and they can make use of the dynamic of, you know, eventually of they lose the titles, and eventually Alessa can show herself to be the fraud and, and and phony that she is. That we all know she is. That's what is that? That is what's going to come from this. So let's go do that. That's something productive that you can uh, that you can prop. You know. Build something with with Nikki in the future, or also Alexa. Um, now, you know, as far as the women's uh, the women's division in general, um, it is probably the most disappointing thing in the, or for me, the most disappointing thing in the entire uh, all of WWE main roster. Um, they have them; they're talented, uh, but the problem is that they split this division too thin um, because they want to run two or or two divisions. Uh, and also have the tag thing, so you're taking people that could possibly be challengers and, and screw that up, all right? So uh, then you have the, someone like Sasha Banks to leave, and that's and that's a that's a that's a blow. That's a you know that's like chopping off an uh, arm at the elbow, right? Um, and then you have you know Charlotte because she's missed time out. That definitely hurt. Um, and with when you installed Ronda in for the year that she had, where you built the all of Raw's women's division around her, like that makes sense because she's a top star. But you never got anybody ready to to uh, to t- step in in a way or, or step in in a way that you would like after she was gone. Like the 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 biggest problem with the Raw women's division was that uh, when Ronda was there, was that there was nobody. They, they never ever had a time to build somebody up for uh, for a long period of time to be a credible person that could. "Quote unquote," beat um, 
Ronda or get a good uh, match that you want to see out of her that with somebody that is experienced and, and and skilled at the craft. So that that was always a struggle, and because they kept you know Bailey away, they kept Sasha away for for the longest time, and they gave those matches away on a on a random Royal Rumble out of nowhere, then a random Raw week or the next night, or I believe. So that's where you ended up, and then Ronda leaves. And put Becky in her place to replace that, and that's that's a great idea. But then you immediately have her go teach a a a rook on the main roster how to learn on the job, and she's gotten. And in the meantime, you never set anybody up. And then on the SmackDown side, it, it's you know, <laughs> I mean, Ember they, uh, they try with Ember is not working that well. I, th- I honestly think that in the long term. Or in the six next six months, the the best play for them they have right now for somebody to be a viable um, person out of all the women's roster besides Bailey or Charlotte on SmackDown is you got to figure out which one you which one you're gonna you're gonna actually like you know really invest in between Sonya and Mandy and go from yeah. there because like you're not gonna push uh, Kyrie or Oscar because you you could have did that with Oscar and you said nah this throw her in the shelf and Kyrie you never even got off the blocks with her even though you know as I said before so. That's where we are, and it's a sad thing. Um, and you know, I would say that you guys, uh, you, you you scrounge up your money to get your 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 nine hundred and twenty in per month and invest in stardom, where they're out here having matches that peak higher than the main roster every week, consistently every big show. So there you go. I don't know what to tell you other than that. Boy, oh, Dave, uh, WWE has been no secret. Like they've been um, in the crosshairs this summer. Like you know, there's a lot been going on. Like as a big like WWE guy, we know you to be like. What are the things that you, that you think WWE is doing well right now, um, and what is changing that that hasn't been there for for folks that are you know because they got a battle on their hands. And I'm not even talking about AEW. They're going to Fox like, <laughs> and they've got to produce like yeah, on, on, well, on a big level. Yeah. So so couple couple things. So one. I think that quietly the television has gotten significantly better. Um, you know, it, much in the same way that AEW has built up a lot of credibility where it's like, well, we don't really care what the card looks like because it's going to be good. I feel like that the WWE has gotten to a point where, like, a lot of their most diehard fans feel like, I don't care what's on paper. I don't trust them to actually deliver it. So, like, I feel like they've just tuned out a lot, you know? And the thing is that. Over the past couple months, I really think Raw and SmackDown have gotten tremendously better. Um, I see a lot of great matches on there. I see a lot of storylines that make sense, that are logical, that follow a progression, where it's not just like it seems like I want to pull out my, my hair out of my head. I see them starting to push guys that make a lot more sense. Um, you know, the, the problem is that they're going to have to do that for a long time before um, that portion of the audience is willing to give them the benefit of the doubt again because they've alienated that portion of the audience for a very long time. And I think that, um, but they're doing it. They're doing the right things, you know? And if you're really going to put, you know, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff in charge, I think they're going to be plenty motivated to, you know, be creative. The question is, you know, the, the problem that they always have is like, how long will Vince really stay out of the way? You know, is he going to, is he going to let this roll for, you know, a month, and then if things aren't moving as fast as he needs them to do, is it just going to be reset back to square one? Um, I do believe that they're trying to build new stars in Ricochet and Aleister Black. 
I think that they have a laundry list of people that they can dig from. I mean, they still have the most talented roster in the world, and that's not even close. Um, so so the, the question is, you know, what, what happens from here? Um, you know, how do they how do they build on the momentum? You know, I do think that they've put on, like, three pay-per-views in a row with tremendously compelling undercards. Um, you know, I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that we might have, you know, Ray versus Andrade and... Ali versus Nakamura added to this card. Like those are two awesome matches that I think a lot of people would want to see. You know, and I, I think that you know they've got to just be consistent. Um, but I think they're moving in the right direction. You know, I think that they're they're giving you matches that you want to see on paper, even if you don't have the faith right now that they're gonna they're gonna deliver in the way that you want them to. Whereas you know six months ago you're getting a lot of cards where you looked at it and you're like, wow, I really don't care about any of this, any, anything that's on this show. <laughs> so I think they're moving in the right direction, but I think that they've got to be very consistent, and I don't know that that's going to keep happening. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's been like the biggest thing with WWE. It's like, all right, I, I know the match, like AJ Styles versus Ricochet should be making me feel a lot better than you know it does right now. And, and I don't know if it's necessarily AJ Styles versus Ricochet or it's like the WWE itself that has just burned well, me so many times. They lost, they lost your trust, you know, and I yeah. think that you're going to have to see it. You're going to have to see, you know, six pay-per-views in a row where they deliver the kind of stuff that you want before you turn around and feel confident that they're going to do this for you on a regular basis again. <clears throat> yeah I, I think that's a good place to like kind of kind of leave off um yeah so yeah man uh overall you know SummerSlam is next week uh of course we'll be doing a review show uh next week uh, after the show uh we've got you know a lot going on of course coming up we had the g1 not even gonna get into that this week but there has been some awesome wrestling going on um okada and sonata i believe had a had an excellent match, uh, Bushi and Tanahashi, uh, Naito and Shingo, uh, and you'll hear more about that on Keeping It Strong Style on Tuesday. But um, yeah, man, Dave, thanks for coming on, bud, um, and let these folks know where they can find you, man. Yeah, you know, I uh, I don't do a whole lot of column writing anymore, but uh, I no I, more I trolling. What's that? No more trolling. Not, not so much. No. I do a lot more behind-the-scenes work for LOP these days, and uh, you can always find me on Twitter at FF Fight League, and I'm always happy to talk to people, you know, uh, so you can always uh, you can always come hit me up. For sure, man. James, you got any uh, final thoughts on, like, SummerSlam and everything going on with it? No, no. No. <laughs> Fuck yeah. No. No. <laughs> like this whole women's division thing like pissed me off. Like I'm and bummed me out at the same time. It's like, dude, this is this is so bad. Like so bad. Like I I'll say this oh yeah, I I never say this on air, but like um I meant I meant to mention this to you uh the other day. It's like <clears throat> like they have so many talented athletes and so many adults that can handle their personal lives and all this other shit. And meanwhile, like I watch, I watch fucking juniors in high school do this better than than they know how to do, than they how to do it. Like it's it's mind boggling. And I, you know, <clears throat> I just wish that um, they actually cared about the women's division as opposed to it's something to just draw uh, the other half of 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 the population, uh, and that's how they're trying to capitalize on it. Like, and it's not it wouldn't be it wouldn't take that much. It wouldn't it wouldn't take small tweaks. Like all this stuff. It's so easily fixable. You like 
all it takes is having the forethought of, okay, Becky Lynch, our top star. Um, she just won WrestleMania. So let's build somebody opposite of her on the other end of the women's division, keep them away until SummerSlam, and then we give them the perfect time for her to wrestle them. Like, it's not that hard. Oh, it's right. definitely not rocket science. I agree. It's not rocket science. Like, and it's just. It it's hasn't helped that they've got their, like, their, their segments cut. Like, they got, like, the time, like, cut. Right. So it, it, the only thing that they were focusing on was, like, the Lacey and Becky thing. And then, of course, there's no room to build anybody outside of that. So. Right. That's so, where they and, run and, the problem. And, and, and the thing is, like, we talk about, like, the women's vision. Like, all this stuff falls on the umbrella of they don't know what the hell they're doing. Or one person doesn't know what the hell they're doing in particular. But it's like. Okay, so Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan. The people won't even know that it's a thing until six days before the show. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like what is going on here? This is your third, second or third biggest show of the year. Yeah. Like, can we, you know, no, it wasn't like Saudi Arabia got in the way of this. Like, you knew this was coming for months, and this is what you came up with for your biggest stars in the company. Like, a business that is built around stars, regardless of whether or not you believe it, believe it to be so or not, is built around stars. And you gave a lot of them nothing to do uh, on this, or, or very small things to build towards what is supposed to be, you know, the thir- second or third biggest matches of their entire years. It, it's, it's, it's just really weird. Really, really weird. And it's like, at least at SummerSlam, when you saw Becky, uh, Becky and, and Charlotte and Ronda, and you saw Kofi and Daniel Bryan, and you saw... Uh, Seth and and um and and Brock, you thought like okay, they built towards this at least like even if it was the the most wonkish batshit nonsensical uh breaking kayfabe in the fourth wall shit ever. And, like at least they knew that like fake. they set these stars, they aligned these stars <laughs> by hook or by crook, mostly by crook to get them here to this point. This is just no, yep. <laughs> they they can't even like they can't even do this right now. Uh, yeah. Um, God yeah. bless him. Yeah. Turn this shit off. Yeah. Let's go. I don't want to talk about wrestling no more, man. Not so, WWE wrestling, anyway. Yeah, man. So um, make sure you guys check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Of course, uh, One Nation Radio here Sundays, me and James. Uh, Tuesday, Keeping It Strong Style with Jeremy and Josh. Wednesdays, Head to Head with AEW and TNT, I might add. Uh, what's up, Ricky oh. and Clive? Um, <laughs> uh, and also, uh, on every other Wednesday, we got Grown Man Watch This Shit. Thursdays, just kidding. Um, (laughs) And then on the weekends, we've got All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson. Um, So, yeah, make sure you guys are supporting the network, leaving the ratings and reviews and all that. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. We up out of here. Peace. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 